Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. Can I tell you a secret? You don't earn special blessings and favor from God when you give money. God is not withholding blessing from you if you don't give. Amen? Amen. But it does teach your heart to trust Him when you give. And it is more of a blessing to give than to receive, isn't it? I mean, honestly. I mean, how much do you get goosebumps when you drop a check in that basket that goes around on Sundays? Not, Not a whole lot. But you do something for somebody else, and man, it's like, it lights your fire, you know? So be a blessing. The the world is starving for the body of Christ to walk in love toward it because that is the only formula that Jesus said is going to work. Our love for one another will be a testimony to them that we follow him, and then our unity in him should be a... will convince the world, it says in John 17, that God sent Jesus into the earth. Man! Love works, amen? And then, and then we get to bring them into a, a place like this and help people learn their identity in Christ and learn what he actually did in his death, burial, and resurrection. You know, we've got a few uh, uh, labels for this church. Some, most of ours in here are pretty good. Uh, if you don't have a good label, just keep it to yourself. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> no, but you'd be surprised, some of the labels that are out there. But one of the labels, or a couple of the labels, are, are a transformation center, right? You come in here, and it's like, you know, I don't, I don't want to just be church as usual. And it's not like we're better than the church down the street. It's just we're just walking in the call that God has led us to walk in, right? It's not like we've got all the secrets figured out. We're just doing what God's led us to do. But it's a transformation center. It's a place where you come in, and you're not just going to clap your hands and sing a song and do your duty and then... You know, it doesn't really touch your life a whole lot. But the other one is a, it's a religious detox center. <laughs> because, you know, people come from denominational backgrounds and realize, <clears throat> oh, I can be connected with God at a heart level and my desires change. I actually can become a different person where life is no longer about obedience because now I'm obeying from the heart because I want to. My desires have changed at such a deep level that I'm not just trying to please God with my actions, but my heart's not really in it. You know, you ever done stuff, your heart's not really in it? I want this place to be where you learn to live Christianity with your heart in it, not just rules and regulations. And and so the denominational side or whatever side that tends to be focused on the word, the word, the word, and the obedience, and then kind of the charismatic side that's all about, well, it's just about the spiritual stuff, and it's just about the miracles, and the signs, and the this, and the that, and it's like, okay, well, a religious detoxification from the mystical side of the, the mystery of all this out here, and I don't really know how to follow God, but I want to walk in the power, but it's weird, and those people that do it are weird, and I don't know, and God's always talking to them, you know, kind of detox from that mindset, too. And kind of we just all meet in the middle at Jesus. Amen? But I don't want to lose the element of the importance of obedience, but it's done from the heart. It's done from the place where you are following God because you want to, not because you have to. And then also living the Spirit-led life, but it's not a mystical perspective, and you're not chasing miracles, signs, and wonders. It's a natural outgrowth of God's voice inwardly. Because hearing God is less about <clears throat> hearing a message or somebody giving you a word or something, and, and it's more about having His logic in your mind, like having His ways in your heart, where you naturally live in such a way where you're following how He would lead you. And His ways are not so foreign to you that you have to sit and try to get God to give you some information because you don't know Him in whatever it is that you're facing. 
And he wants us to know him, not just know what he wants us to do, but how he would live, how he functions in life himself. I mean, he, Jesus is what God's idea of being human looks like. And he's not the mark that we're to live up to for righteousness. He's the testimony of what life can be like as a human. Amen? So today I'm, I'm less interested in teaching you something doctrinally. I kind of want to just influence your thinking a little bit. I've got several scriptures here I want to read. And the point that we're getting to here today is that, all right, the Holy Spirit is real. He's in me. Jesus talked about him a lot. There's supposed to be this interaction with him, but I don't like the weird stuff. So how do we live in a real way, you know? And, and, and I mentioned this in the first service, but I think it applies. My kids are in a private Christian school. And in their Bible courses, I noticed that uh, there's a lot of focus on the obedience part, a lot of focus on how you're supposed to behave and the physical actions that you're supposed to, you know, display as a Christian. And, and, I, and I don't want to invalidate that. I mean, that stuff's in the Scripture. It's important, right? What you believe and your Christianity should affect your behavior. Absolutely. Absolutely we should turn away from sin and never say yes to it and turn away from it under God's grace, under His power, and never let it reign within our bodies as to give place to it. We should... Let righteousness reign within us. Amen? But I noticed that their memorization is all about the obedience parts and, you know, the behavioral modification points, and less about when they talk about the spirit or spiritual matters. Now, I'm not saying they're doing it wrong. I mean, it's probably just part of the curriculum. That's where they focus on that part at that time. But it's just something that I've noticed and, I've, and that I've talked to believers throughout my, you know, life and a lot of people tend to focus either on the, the do's and the don'ts, but then a lot of people on the other side tend to focus on just the spiritual stuff. And it's like, okay, well, how do we have both in a real way, in a way that is a consistent model of Christianity that I can live, but it's not so legalistic that God, that I'm not influenced by God living in me? And is that even real for you that God is living in you and through you, that his spirit is something that you're actually interacting with. You know, when I think of spirit, I don't think of some distant dimension. And I mentioned it last week. I, I think of spirit as it's, it's a frequency that you can only perceive with the right receptor, receiver, which is this new heart. So like there are radio waves coming into this room that you have to have a radio in tune to the right frequency to pick up that message, right? There are infrared waves coming through this room, but if you had the right type of glasses, you could see those. There are sound waves that are in here that you can't perceive with your ear, but if you had the right kind of device, you could pick those up. The Spirit of God is in every fiber of creation. The Spirit of God is readily available in and around us. But your heart has to be tuned to His ways, to Him, to interact with Him. Does that make sense to you? Now, that's just an illustration that I'm saying to make the point that it's, we're not detached from God at some points and then connected to Him at some points. He doesn't have His hand on us sometimes and then His hand off of us sometimes. He's not speaking sometimes, and then sometimes he's silent. He's always speaking. He's always connected. He's always present. But are our hearts receiving his influence? And here's the problem that the church has had, one of the problems, is that we have tried to be the Holy Spirit for other people. We've either kind of put the Holy Spirit over there in the corner, and it's like, yeah, we recognize him. He's a little strange. I don't really get him. He's here, but we don't let him out much. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like the Holy Spirit is, I don't understand, so I'm just going to stick with this right here. I, I think we can live in such a way under his influence that it's real. In fact, I think you do it 
more than you realize that you do. I think there are times when you follow God and you don't even have a clue that you're following God because you're a spirit. You've been renewed. You've been given a new heart that knows His commands. It knows how to follow Him. It knows how to be led by Him. It's just that we have a lot of mystical teaching that makes it look like it's got to be a certain way. So I'll expound on all this as we go here, but I just want your thinking to be more about what's the job description of the Holy Spirit, if we can say it that way. What should I expect from the Holy Spirit? How should I expect to be living with Him? What is He doing? Because He's the life. He's our wisdom. He is our guide. He's our comforter. He's our advocate. How do we live a real relationship with Him? Only He can teach you that. He's like Smokey the Bear. Only the Holy Spirit can teach you how to follow the Holy Spirit. You know, Smokey the Bear can only teach you to prevent forest fires. John 14. We're going to start in verse 15. I'm reading from a different translation purposefully because I, I want you to kind of hear it from two different ways and then think about it yourself. So, Again, I'm not trying to teach you something in this. I just want you to open your mind and your heart to God's influence. And we're looking at, okay, this is, this is how Jesus talks about the role of the Holy Spirit in my life. What, how does this impact me? How can I implement this into my life in a real way? I'm not trying to make a formula for the Holy Spirit, but I also don't want to leave out His influence where it can be life-giving in a real way for me. So, John 14, 15, this is Jesus describing the function and the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I love 14, 15, 16, 17. I mean, it's just amazing. Jesus just gives this discourse of who the Holy Spirit is, His desire of what He wants Him to be in your life, and and what that should look like. Yes, He does address um, fruit, and He does address behavior, and He does address, address the physical part of following God, and living in this righteousness and holiness that we've been given. But he just describes this relationship and this context that we're in under the influence of the Holy Spirit to be led in a real way that brings life. So, if you love me, keep my commands. John 14, 15. Now, just hang on that for just a second because I want to... This is a planned rabbit trail. You didn't know those existed, did you? This is a... Yes, we're going to chase this rabbit on purpose for just a minute. If you love me, keep my commands. So what are his commands? What are his commandments? What are Jesus' commandments? Love God. Love one another. Good job. You guys pass. You get 100. (laughs) Those are the two commandments, right? He packs it in a little bit different way in 1 John 3. He says to believe on the name of the Son of God which means believe on the authority of who Jesus is. If you would do this when you read the Bible, when you come across the name of God or the name of Jesus or in Him or something like that, instead of thinking name like J-E-S-U-S, think of what Jesus represents, who Jesus is, the kind of being that He is, the King of heaven the preeminent one that was before everything and will remain after, the one who has secured your salvation in his blood. You know what I mean? That's what you, When you think of the name of the Son of God, you're thinking of his authority and his character and the extent of his kingdom and the extent of his dominion and what he represents and, and everything wrapped up in who he is. That's the name. Amen? So... <clears throat> Why do you keep the commandments? We're still rabbit trailing. You following me? What are his commandments? Believe on the name, love people. But why do we follow those commandments? Because we love him. Do you love God and love people to be righteous? Do you love God and love people to be made holy? No, the blood of Jesus does that. Because you are righteous and because you are holy, because of what Jesus has done, 
you are empowered to actually walk out these commandments. So what happens when you keep these commandments? What happens? Walk in the benefits. What else? By the way, I'm not looking for one specific answer. I have a direction I'm going, but there's lots of things that happen when you keep the commandments of Jesus, of believing on the name, loving God, loving people. What happens? I mean, just think about your own life. The kingdom comes. The kingdom comes. Peace. Less problems. Your life changes. Help with problems. Yeah. All good stuff, right? Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm going is that you can hear, or in other words, as John, 1 John 3 says, your heart becomes confident toward him. When you walk in the commandments, love God, and he defines them there. He says, keep my commandments because when you walk in the commandments, your heart will be confident toward me. When your heart is not condemning you and you're walking in my commandments, your heart will be confident toward me. He says what the commandments are. Then he says, when your heart is confident toward me, you will receive everything you ask for. That's offensive. That's what it says. Go read it. 1 John chapter 3. Well, because some people have a problem with you saying that my heart is confident toward God and so I receive everything that I ask for. Because some people would say, well, you're just going to go pray for a big house or you're just going to go pray for a boat. I'm just talking about the other side, right? It's offensive because the truth police out there that come knocking on your Facebook page, you know, and they're like, hey, by the way, you old carnal thing, you... You don't get to get everything that you ask for because you're probably going to ask for something evil that I think, you know what I mean? It's just like, really? Come on. You, what's, what I understand that's missing in that kind of response is the heart understanding of our connection with God. I think the church would do well to minister more on this heart connection that we have with God because it's the deepest part of what you are. That's what God is trying to do is now that he's given you righteousness, influence your heart so that you live in it. That is what causes all the external stuff to be dealt with. God's not sitting here worried about all these external things that you're dealing with. I mean, he doesn't want you to give in to sin. Of course, he wants you to live in a way that's pleasing or in agreement with him. But what he does is he influences your heart. See, if, if, we can be, if we can realize that, yes, it's true. We are to no longer know people after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Does that mean sin is okay? Does that mean we overlook the lifestyle that's destroying them? Does that mean we just say, okay, you can just do whatever you want to because you're right in spirit, so therefore your actions don't matter? Absolutely not. It's immaturity that hears that in a message like this. So back on track here, talking about the Spirit of God and His influence in our lives in a real way. Watch, just watch this. We're going to read several passages here, and we'll just kind of, maybe we'll interact a little bit more. Y'all all right with that? This is Jesus again, describing the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and I will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate to help you, and he will be with you forever. Verse 17, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him, and that word sees is, has more to do with perceives, nor knows him or experiences him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. Are you aware of the Spirit of God in you? Did you know that He doesn't come and go? He stays forever. It says right there, Jesus is describing this Spirit. He comes and He stays forever. 
yeah, but I just don't feel very connected to God right now. Well, then get over that feeling. The truth is, you are. Well, that's easier said than done. Well, maybe. But what's the truth? Can you identify a truth about God and meditate on it and nourish yourself from it to the degree that it changes your feelings? That's full-grown Christianity stuff right there. See, I mean, we're not just tossed about by our emotions and circumstances and our issues with what we think God should or shouldn't do and all that kind of stuff that we place on Him and we project our, our stuff on Him. It's like, no. It is possible for you as a believer to live in peace in every situation. I'm not saying that God's going to mystically and magically show up and make your life perfect. That's not what I'm trying to say here. I'm saying that inwardly, because the truth is the Spirit of God is in you, you can always live in that Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy. It's your choice. This is the problem that we have. We're searching how to live this Christian life, and we're trying to find the right rule to keep to bring the peace, or we're trying to find the right anointing to walk in to have the peace, or whatever it is we're searching for. And it's just one truth. The Spirit of God is in you forever. What do you think He's doing in there? <clears throat> Trying to. Skip down to 26. Again, you know, you might learn something, but I'm just wanting you to kind of keep your thinking open. What is the Holy Spirit? Right in this moment, right now, are you aware that the Spirit of God is active within you, seeking to develop maturity, seeking to develop and bear the fruit of righteousness that He's placed in there by Jesus? See, Jesus is like a seed that God puts in you. He goes ahead and He cleanses the ground, makes the ground perfect and holy, and then He puts that seed in there so that it will continue to grow and bear fruit. All right, verse 26. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, my authority, my power, my kingdom, the dominion expression of who I am. This is what we're talking about, the name. <clears throat> in my name will teach you all things. In this moment, right now, the Spirit of God is teaching you all things. Jesus said it. He said, look, uh, uh, I've revealed to you everything that the Father has made known to me because you're no longer servants. I call you friends. A servant doesn't know what his master knows, but you're friends. You know. I have revealed these things to you. I'm not talking about trying to hear a message from God. I'm talking about living planted in God, being led by Him, and being yielded to Him, and trusting that He knows how to lead you. He's going to teach you all things. I think this one says everything. Right? All things as well. He will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Keep it on 26 there, if you would, please. You know, I don't like to do the thing of God said or God told me or anything or build doctrines out of my experiences, but I remember early on in my Christian life, it, it made an impact to me <clears throat> that I was praying. I Really, I was just talking to God, and I, my circumstances put me in a situation where I was pretty aware of His presence with, with me. And I didn't know you were supposed to try to hear God, but I was hearing Him. And I said, uh, I said you know what would be great? Because I was reading the Bible, and I felt like there was so much to learn, and I didn't know where to go. And, what, and I wasn't going to church. I didn't know to go to church, really. But I remember talking to God and saying, you know, man, I want somebody in my life that knows the Bible, somebody that's like maybe like a mentor. I can just call them and, and ask them my questions and say, where's this Scripture, and what should I do here? And I, I want somebody in my, that just knows you. And he goes, well, you've got me. 
I will, I'll never forget that. There's a few times where I really feel like I heard like an audible voice from God, and that was one of them. Well, you, you've got me. And he said, you've got. I remember it. You've got me, because that's the way I would have said it. Improper English and everything. I want to just give, you know, I don't normally go this slow, I don't think, with this many pauses. Don't get bored. Just turn your attention to the Spirit, because I just feel like, I just want us to think about Him. You know, He's alive. I don't mean, do you see an angel walking around the room, and, and do you see Jesus on a horse, and He's got this, and He's reaching over you, and this thing is, you know, if you see that stuff, that's fine. It doesn't really bother me that you do. I think we should be able to perceive and maybe even visually see things in that spirit dimension. But it's more about can you perceive who he is in you to the degree that it does something to you. So everything. Now, you know, I didn't, it's not in my notes, but I was thinking about it in the first service. You can pull that down for just a second. The Holy Spirit teaches you all things. Maybe you're an auto mechanic. Maybe you're roasting coffee. Maybe you're selling ads on radio. Whatever it is that you do, do you think that God can teach you how to do those kinds of things? Are you guys familiar with George Washington Carver? He's a guy, and and I didn't really, I don't have the details, but the story goes something kind of like this. He's talking to God. He was a believer. God, tell me about the universe. Well, and he hears, well, that's too big. Well, tell me about the earth. Well, that's too big. Well, tell me about this. Well, that's too big. And I, and I imagine it in my mind kind of like this. You know, he's probably looking around. There's probably a, a peanut on the table or something. He's like, well, pff, tell me about the peanut, you know. And he developed thousands of patents for the use of the peanut. And in his words, he says God told him how to do those kinds of things. The peanut, thousands of patents. God will teach you all things by His Spirit. What's your field? I mean, think about what's your field. What, where, where are you living? God that can teach a man thousands of applications for the peanut can teach you one or two about what you're doing. How do you learn how to listen to him? Wouldn't you like to read that book? It doesn't exist. In fact, when you get to the ends of these scriptures about Jesus describing what the Holy Spirit is supposed to do, he doesn't tell you how you're supposed to do it. In fact, anybody that stands in front of you and says, this is how you follow God, be careful. Only God can teach you how to follow God. But do you believe that He's teaching you right now? Do you believe that it's a real way that works for you? And can you yield to that? You know, maybe it's a type of thing where you're just overlooking the inspiration that you're getting from God. I make it a practice of this because I come in here and I preach this stuff. I get these, I'm out there cutting the grass and I'm thinking these... Pine cones and Reese didn't get out here and pick up these sticks. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good, God. And I, I keep my computer right by so I can go jot that down, and I come in here and I preach it, and, you know, it's like, well, that just came from God because my brain was in neutral enough where I could hear something, and I'm going to come in here and preach it. But I take the time to steward it. Now, I'm not saying I do it perfectly, but I think that that's part of it. We just miss and overlook so much of the inspiration that God has given us. Think about it. You've, how many of you had ideas and then like maybe a couple of years later, like you see that idea? Oh, God, I thought about that. <laughs> and, and that's just one thing, you know, that's just one area. But your relationship with your children, God knows thousands of ways to lead you into a life-giving, fruitful relationship with them. Thousands. Your job, your income, thousands of ways God can minister to you in your heart and you walk with Him. Fear constricts that stuff. Worry constricts 
your heart to be open to his leading. And, and you know, we, we, we look at people that have miracles in their ministry and we think, okay, so what they're saying is they walk into a room and they get a pain in their knee and they know that that's because someone else in that room has a pain in their knee and they got to find it. How do I do that, God? And he's like, what? I've been showing you thousands of ways for you to follow me. I don't want you to follow me the way that one follows me. The Spirit of God is teaching you all things. Are you stewarding the inspiration when it comes? And you know what I'm talking about. All of you know what I'm talking about. All of you hear from God, but we overlook it. We all do it. I'm telling you, every day, all day, you are following God. You just don't really necessarily know it. And if we could, like, peel back and look and see where he, how much interaction he has in our lives, you would be blown away by how well you hear God. Say it. I hear God better than I think that I do. You do. I believe it's true. I'm absolutely convinced of that because Jesus is teaching that when the Spirit comes to live in you, He'll teach you everything. Do you know everything? <laughs> He's trying to teach you. And it's not about carnality to get personal gain. It's just to be living as a, as a, as a child of God under His influence. That, so that he would be glorified in your life because of the way that you're following and he's leading you. That's the point. It just so happens that when he's glorified through you, it is the most satisfying, peaceful thing that you can ever experience. But no one can teach you how to do that. It's between you and God. How bad do you want it? He's not withholding it from you. He's not waiting for you to do something until he shows up. He doesn't need you to run to the anointed minister and get their impartation before you can do this. In fact, it's affirmed. You don't need teachers. Are you kidding me? you got the Spirit of God. What's he doing? What is, what is the Spirit of God doing right now in you? The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my authority, will teach you all things and will remind you everything I've said. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Apparently, letting our hearts be troubled and afraid has something to do with the Holy Spirit teaching us all things. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said them together. Jesus is not the Riddler, where he just throws ideas out that are disconnected. Don't be afraid. I can't hear God. Are you afraid? Well, that's all I'm afraid all day long. Well, it might have something to do with it. How do I not be afraid? I don't know. Holy Spirit knows, though. Peace. I've got some ideas. I'll give you some practical things when we get down to this. I don't want to just paint a subjective picture that, you know, you can't sink your teeth into. But John 15, 26. Jump over there just for a second. John 15, 26. But when the advocate comes, who will send, who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Okay, this is really important here. Are you, are you with me? This is yes. This is no. This is maybe. I know. It's, I'm going slow today. But I just want to let him... So this is what he does. He testifies of Jesus. Revelation, I can't remember the verse right now. It says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. 
when you hear from God, it should testify of Jesus. When you are trying to hear God for other people, it should testify of Jesus, of what He's done for them. And you might even get a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge of how they can apply what He's done for them. All about Jesus. Amen? The Holy Spirit is not interested in impressing you with someone else's ability to know someone else's past or what they've got sitting on their dresser at home. Are you following me? I mean, it's like we watch people that get words of knowledge. It's like you live on Smith Street at 27 and 2 o'clock yesterday you were eating Cheetos. Oh, my God, look, how did they know that? They're so spiritual. Now, if somebody does that, to give you a message that testifies about Jesus, go for it. You know what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit will testify of Jesus. You think about it. You see all these points. It's like the commandment of God through Jesus is believe on the authority, the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit will testify of who He is in your life of the kind of life and the fruit that God wants to bear through you, the Holy Spirit is leading you thousands and thousands of different directions He can go. He's very creative. If you haven't noticed, go look at the ocean. You ever been to the aquarium? Like all those crazy different kinds of fish in there? You're sitting there looking at, why, why so many? I don't know why. You thought I was going to give you something real spiritual, didn't you? <laughs> He's just creative. The Spirit of God will testify of Jesus. How can you look at what Jesus has done in His death, burial, and resurrection and take something personally out of it and meditate it on it to the point where it gives you something real to do in this life? And it's not just some idea of think, being thankful for salvation, but Jesus being made unto you wisdom being a real thing. And it's not about hearing a message. It's about, man, I'm so transformed, I can't help but follow God. Go over to John 16. We're going to start in verse 12. Again, this is just Jesus talking about the Spirit. John 16, 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare the things to you that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. This is what the Spirit of God will do. If you're ever sitting there and you're thinking, God, what are you doing? God, what are you saying? Well, He's trying to take what is Jesus and declare it to you. What is it that, is, that belongs to Jesus? Where is He? Who is He? In this life, how does that matter? How can you live in that, in the death, burial, and resurrection of what, he, what He's done? That's what the Spirit is trying to testify to you. And I'm going to give you an example here at the end, a couple of examples. He will glorify me. He will take what is mine and declare it to you because it's yours. You are a joint heir with Jesus. The Holy Spirit is trying to convince you that what Jesus is living in is yours also. Jesus prayed, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm not trying to say again that the Spirit of God is just going to pop into your life and make everything perfect. No, you might face suffering. You might face illness. You might have all kinds of difficulties that you deal with. But can you let the peace of God rule in your heart so that no matter what happens, you walk right on through it? <clears throat> he will glorify me. Uh, let's see, verse 15, John 15, 16. All that the Father has is mine, 
Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. I mean, Jesus, is, this is the attitude of Jesus. Everything that the Father's got is mine. Think about that. What if, what if I walked into Kopi's house and I said, everything that Kopi has is mine? It's pretty presumptive, right? Now, obviously, we know that Jesus is God. But still, the idea of him claiming authority and ownership of everything that God has, and he says, I'm declaring it to you. You're a joint heir with me. You are raised with me hidden with me in God. This must affect your thinking. This must affect how you see yourself in this relationship with God, which ultimately will affect the choices and the decisions that you make and what you let yourself feel and who you let come into your life. I didn't mean to like really lock with you on that one. I was just thinking that's for somebody. 1 Corinthians 2.9. I love this because a lot of people don't realize that there's a verse 10 after 1 Corinthians 2.9. Okay, but I don't want to get too far off because I'm on a focused point here. What does he mean, spirit of truth? We'll always testify of the truth. In other words, you don't have to second guess where God's going to lead you. He's always going to lead you into the truth. As it is written, are we there, 1 Corinthians 2.9? You guys good? I know we might be going a little bit long, but it's all right. It's all right for me. You guys good? You, if you need to leave, y'all can go, but you're going to miss something really good here in a minute. <laughs> but as it is written, no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man, or the heart of, uh, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, have you ever heard that quoted and it's like, well, God just works in mysterious ways. You don't really know God's ways. You don't really, you can't really know God because it says right here in this scripture that, you know, it doesn't have even any can, you don't even know. Verse 10, these things God has revealed to us through the spirit. Oh, by the way, that's an Old Testament quote there. And then the New Testament expansion, yet under the old, you couldn't perceive. But now you can because you've got the Spirit of God in you. Makes the difference. There's two kind of people on the planet. One does not have the Spirit of God in them. The other does. That's the only difference of people on this planet. There are people that are dead in their sin, and there are people that are alive in Christ. That's the only difference. So watch this, though. Again, I'm not, don't try to pick out a doctrinal point. Look at this again as a description of who the Holy Spirit is and what He's doing in you. So verse 11, so He says all those things that you couldn't imagine or see or anything, God's revealed those to you by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Verse 10, back to verse 10. The Spirit that's in you is searching the depths of God. I mean, does that mean, does that mean something to you? Yes. Think about it. How deep is God? What's in there? The Spirit of God is connected to that. Now, I, again, I don't have a doctrinal point to try to lift out and make you believe something, but it's like just keep your heart open to this idea. This Spirit that's in you, that joins you to God, that is leading you and teaching you the truth and guiding you and reminding you what Jesus has taught you and giving you life from the Spirit of God is searching the depths of God. Because who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? In other words, it's God's Spirit himself that we're talking about. So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, 
that we might understand freely, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. That's a big clue right there of what the Spirit of God is trying to do. He's trying to show you and teach you all of the things that God has freely given you. What has He freely given you? Let me ask you this. How did He freely give it to you? Starts with a J. Ends with an S. There you go, Jesus. <laughs> By your faith in Him. Uh, but that's what the Spirit of God is trying to do. Well, no, you see what the Spirit of God is trying to do is discipline me. Well, yeah, but He does it by showing you the things that you have in Jesus, and that causes you to desire to be disciplined and taught and led. Let's get the important part in the right perspective first. In this moment, right now, the Spirit of God is in you is also searching the depths of God and searching you to tell you the things that God has freely given you. I'll give you some homework. Go home, get it out of a notebook, get your computer, ask God, what have you freely given me? Because you're trying to tell me these things. It's the Spirit that's trying to teach. What have you freely given me? Just give me a couple. What has He freely given you? I wonder how many we can come up with. Verse 13, And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths uh, to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept or receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, this is not necessarily talking about people that are born again or not born again because you can be natural sometimes. In Romans 8, he says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the way that you know that you're in the Spirit is that the Spirit's in you. However, we've got this issue of spiritual thinking versus carnal thinking. There are times when you are natural in your thinking, carnal in your thinking, not necessarily evil, but you're thinking in regard to your own strength and your own limitations. It's like, the only thing I can do this is the best I can do. It's the only thing I know to do. Well, think about George Washington Carver, who came up with thousands of ways to use the peanut. God might have a different way to lead you than the only thing that you know to do in that moment. You old carnal thing, natural thing, you. Get over it. Because the Spirit... All right, let me just keep going here. Verse 15, the spiritual person judges all things or understands all things, but is, of, but is himself to be judged or understood by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. In other words, you can know God's thoughts. You can know the way God's thinking. The idea that God works in mysterious ways and we can't understand. Yes, His ways are higher than our ways, but it doesn't mean you can't know them. He's trying to teach them to you. And in fact, you hear it better than you think that you do. Because I don't think that Jesus would describe the Holy Spirit, but He's doing it for some and not others. Or He's doing it for you because you give more, but He's not doing it for you because you don't give enough. Or he's doing it for you because you've loved people better than you have. You know, it's not. God's not a respecter. He looks, after, he looks at us after our spirit. Let me give you a couple things here. So last week I, I gave you a just, it's really just a silly little meditative exercise. And I, I just kind of wanted to do it again this week because I think it, it can help you. <clears throat> so, remember last week we talked about set your affection or set your eyes on the things above where Christ is seated on the throne at the right hand of the Father. You're supposed to set your eyes on that. 
we know all of this stuff that we talked about. The Spirit of God is leading us into all truth, teaching us, reminding us what Jesus said, uh, testifying of Jesus on our behalf. But we must know Jesus. Jesus said it. Learn of me. Paul said it. I only want to know him and him crucified. Learning of Jesus is the way. If you want to know what you're supposed to do, learn what he did. Learn what he accomplished. Get to know him deeply. But this is an exercise because, you know, again, this is a transformation center. I don't want to just give you a message that you think, oh, that was wonderful. I, I want you to, I want your life to change. I don't want you to be stuck anymore. Are you tired of being stuck? Just go with me for a minute. And if it's not your kind of thing, then it's not. But all right, so here we go. Imagine Santa Claus. We did this last week. Some of you were here. Do it again. Santa Claus, right? What does he look like? Imagine that he's actually standing right here. Can you see him? Like I'm standing here. Now I'm over here. Do you remember what it looked like for me to stand over there? Okay. Santa Claus is here. What does he look like? Just imagine. He's big. Red suit. What do you see? Don't look at me. Look at Santa Claus. Jolly, happy. Okay. What's on his head? What's on the hat? What's, what kind of jacket? Does he have a belt on? Pants? Hopefully, she says yes, pants. Now, watch this. Watch this. What's in his hands? Did you even see his hands before I said what's in his hands? Okay, now let's go a little bit further. This Sandy here, what does he represent? Snicker bar. Snicker bar. <laughs> That was another exercise. What, is, what does he represent? What does Santa Claus represent? Giving, giving gifts. Maybe for some of you, it's, he's robbing the real meaning of Christmas. You know, I don't know. It's just we want to allow for that. It's okay. I'm not, you don't have to feel all warm, fuzzy things as Santa Claus. It's, this man doesn't exist. So. Reese's Meaning Santa Claus. Which was? I, yes, I have to brag on our kids. They were like, I'm glad y'all didn't play up Santa with us because it would have robbed our opportunity to be thankful for what y'all have done for us as parents. They came up with that. I was like, well, I never even thought about that. That's pretty good. So anyway, this Santa Claus, does he make you feel anything? What do you feel? The idea of Santa. Do you remember going and seeing him when you were a kid? Does he scare you. I mean, you know, what he represents, does that impact you? When you started thinking about that he's giving and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it depends on if you're focusing on the, the stalker creeper side of Santa who knows when you're awake. And <clears throat> okay, that dumb, silly little exercise for one reason, can you do that with like Colossians, it says, to set your affections on things above, where Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is on the throne at the right hand of the Father. I'm not trying to get you to have a vision or the skies split open and you'd have this phenomenal experience, but can you think about him and what he represents do something to you? Can you look at Jesus? Can you perceive that Jesus in this moment, whether you see something or not, is seated at the right hand of the Father, which means that he has the same authority that God has? And can you know that you are seated? In other words, you are in the place of authority with Jesus. It's not talking about there's like a little mini chair that you're in and Jesus is really... It's not talking about physical sitting or that you've been resurrected already. This is a term of authority that you sit in the same seat with Jesus. You are a joint heir with Jesus. That he's told you everything that the Father has told him because you are no longer a servant, but you're a child. Now, you're not Jesus. 
You're not going to become the Messiah. You're not going to become a God. But God has chosen to say, you sit with me. I share everything that I have with you. I mean, does that do something to you? I mean, does that affect maybe how you want to live your life? Does it make you want to protect that? You don't want sin to enter into that place. You don't want to misuse that connection that you have with Him. But knowing that you're there, can you sit there and be taught by the Spirit in a real way that actually touches your life? Not for the sake of having a vision, but because your life needs to change. There are things that you are facing that you need answers for on what to do. And the Spirit of God will teach you all things. And the Spirit of God is testifying of Jesus. So if you focus on Jesus, the byproduct is going to be you're going to be taught by the Spirit. So who is Jesus? He is my salvation. He is my rock. He is my anchor. He is the one that I put my faith in. It's Him that was the sacrificial lamb for the sin of the world. It's Him that my sin was removed from me and put into Him. He became my sin. It's Him who conquered death and hell and the grave and rose again. I'm in this. It's Him who has received a name that is above all names. You know, can you do that? Can you look at Jesus in who He is and it affects you to the degree that it creates an inner environment where you're just like, oh my, really? This is, this is where I am with God? And then get ready because an answer might come. See, what we do is it's like, well, you know what? I don't have time to worship and pray. I'm sitting here. I got all these bills to pay. I'm afraid. God, help! Then you're sitting there waiting for him to magically show up and change you or your spouse. He's like, are you kidding me? I've been for, for months I've been trying to give to you the wisdom that you would need in this moment. I think right now there are things that God is teaching and building into your thinking, changing the way that you think a little bit, because you're going to encounter a situation next week where you're going to need to think a different way to have His solution manifest. It's not that He's kicking back saying, well, pfft, I'm not going to help you this time. You sin, therefore my anointing is gone. It's like, no, in this moment... Are you communing with Him and letting Him build within you the way of thinking that you're going to need a year from now? Do you trust Him? I think it's stewarding revelation. When those inspirational moments come and things that you don't even have a clue of how to put into your life right now, can you write those things down and take those notes and just let it fester, let it grow, let it mature within you? Philippians 4 Eight, you know, I do want to give some practical element to this, and I apologize for going so long, but this is the end. I think it's this, right? It's knowing that you're seeing Jesus, you're connected with Him, knowing the description of the Holy Spirit, what He's trying to do in your life, not so that everything will be perfect for you, but so that His perfect peace is manifest in you. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, what's true? Your situation that you're facing that you need to change, what's the truth? Meaning, what's the spiritual reality of it? I mean, that's where it leads. All things are possible for those who believe. Brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are... It's interesting how much instruction we have about directing our thoughts. Whatever things are noble whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. I mean, what's true of Jesus? Have you ever just sat for an hour and thought about the fact that God has made you righteous with Jesus? And what does that make you feel afterward? Not because of something that you've done, but because of what he's done. You know, there are areas of your life that need to change. And you've been doing the same kinds of things over and over, and we get stuck. But the Spirit of God is alive and active. And he's not strange, and he's not weird. And you don't have to learn some 
process from some other person. It's your relationship. What are you going to do to cultivate it, to put yourself in a position where your heart is influenced by him? If every believer did that, so much of what we do in the name of ministry or what we do in our lives out of obligation, it changes because if every believer is walking this path of wholeness, then what's left is the world to love on. Amen? Now, I'm not trying to be idealistic. I just want you to realize, man, God is talking, and you hear him. Don't let the world drown his voice. Stay tuned to him in the ways that he thinks so that his word will bear fruit because the world is starving to see a mature body of Christ with real solutions that are spiritual and life-giving from God and not just humanitarian efforts to make their belly stop growling, but spiritual life that we can give to them. It says we impart these spiritual things to people by words. That's what we do. We, we give people the hope of life in God and then leave them in such a package where they are so feeling the love of God because of how we have ministered to them that they yield to God. Amen? Father, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your life. Thank you for not leaving us as orphans. We are committed to being led and taught by you. You're already trying it. Jesus said that you would. We thank you that that's all you're doing is leading us and guiding us into truth so that you would be glorified in our lives. God, I keep my heart and my mind open to you to be taught by you. You know, if you're here, you've never received him, you've never said yes to him, or you're watching. There's sometimes people watch that get born again. If you're in this place and you feel like you've never said yes to Jesus, just, just lift up your hand. And if there's somebody online, you just look to Jesus and say, thank you for what you did for me. I believe that what you did was for me, and I will learn of you. Amen, amen.